Joyful Health friends. Today is our very last episode of season three. <laughs> we have just really enjoyed doing this podcast. The fact that I can be speaking into one microphone in one basement room and reach you right where you are, wherever you're listening to this, is just incredible. And how much more does the spirit move and how much and how many more creative ways is he working? in the secret places of our hearts to fill the whole earth with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. <laughs> okay, so this might be our last episode for the season as we enter into summer rest and fun and soaking up the sun and the water and building relationships, but we will be back in August. So you can go ahead and save the date for August 7th. That is when we will be reopening our signature joyful health group coaching course. This time around, we are including a mentor, a coach dedicated to you. And as soon as you sign up, you'll not only be paired with that coach, but you will also be put into a small group cohort so that you can really um, engage and be involved in community because we know that diet culture and can be so isolating. And so we really see the value of connecting you with someone that um, you can trust as an expert to lead and guide you through this process of releasing the shame and the guilt around food and exercise and move you into this place of grace so that you can fully enjoy these gifts. So you can fully enjoy meals with friends. So you can fully enjoy kayaking outside in your shorts and just with all the beauty that God has to offer in those experiences. Um, so that's the hope that we have for you in this course. It is 12 weeks. It opens August 7th. We will have a discount that first week. So go ahead and start planning for it. Um, if you want more information, go to joyfulhealth.co slash course to check out um, all the modules and the um, previews of what that information will look like and what will move you through. If you do have questions, if we missed anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you at support at joyfulhealth.co. Okay. So for the summertime, um, we also do have a few mini courses. We have body blessings, which really, um, hones in on transforming the way that you see yourself and to align that with the way that God sees you. Um, it can help with emotional eating and, um, your relationship with this like self-talk that you have and that, um, transferring to, you know, people in your house and to your kids too. And that's what this episode really is all about on um, the body blessings course can dive into that a little bit deeper. And then we also have our aligned, um, devotional guide at seven weeks. So it's really good for this, um, next like eight weeks of summer. And I'm personally going through it with a group of friends. You don't have to be an expert to lead a group. All you need is just one other friend. There's four days of study each week. And then on day five, there's a list of questions that you go through with a recap and a prayer and everything. So it's all built in. Um, it's easy peasy. We have a videos too, to go along with it that, um, integrate your wellness practices along with it and just really align you with, um, who God is creating you to be and how to discern that. <laughs> so that's joyfulhealth.co slash aligned. All right, let's go ahead and get into this episode. Um, I'm really excited about sharing this 
I hope that it just relieves the pressure that you may feel as a parent. There's so, so much pressure around there as a parent, but hopefully we can, after this episode, truly lean into, um, truly lean into the strength of the Lord as our joy and have that overflow to our kids, break generational chains and leave a legacy of love when it comes to enjoying our health in the Lord. Okay. Hope you enjoy. Hey friends, welcome to the Joyful Health Show. I'm Aubrey, registered dietitian. And I'm Casey, personal trainer. And together we are here to help you discover joyful health by grace. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Joyful Health Show podcast. And this season, we are getting aligned. We are returning to God's perfect peace in an anxious world and various topics relating to health so we can come back and know what God's word says. So today we get to go a little bit deeper on how to raise a family aligned with gospel ways of eating. This topic comes out from a request from a podcast listener who asked, or just more content of how to teach our kids the ways of freedom when it comes to food, even if we might be struggling ourselves. So if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, um, head to the joyfulhealth.co slash podcast link, fill out the form at the bottom with your suggestions. We really love to hear from you and answer your questions. Okay. So welcome Jennifer D'Amato. She is a certified eating counselor, coach, host of the Intuitive Eating Mama podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. Yes. Okay, friends. So if you don't know Jennifer, she is also a mom of four daughters. Um, It is her passion and purpose to help women make peace with food, stop the restriction, overeat cycle, and change generations to come. She spent years struggling with disordered eating, missing out on countless important moments, confusing her daughter's relationship with food too. Now, not only does she have a peaceful relationship with all foods, but she has passed this piece onto her daughters and other women to do the same. Ah, Okay. Well, I love that so much. I feel like when we are not sure of what to do, or like, we feel like something is off. Peace is a really good indicator (laughs) that Mm -hmm. we have, um, a good relationship with God and what he has given us. So, um, I would love to hear a little bit more about your story. What would you like to share with us about how God led you to the place you are today? Yeah. Thank you so much. And I have to just acknowledge that I have tears in my eyes hearing you read that back. I mean, it's something that I wrote. It's something I live. It's something that's truth. And yet it still brings tears to my eyes. And I think it's because, you know, when you've, you've really made that change and this is how I live. Like you have those reminders sometimes of what it was like or where it Mm -hmm. could have gone. And it just, it's really bringing tears to my eyes and, and I'm really walking it out. Um, you know, I started at the age of 17, really feeling like my body wasn't right. And, um, I didn't know the Lord until, um, many years later, I actually met this amazing, um, you know, young man really attracted to this guy. And he was like, listen though, <laughs> like I, I need someone, you know, that I want to spend my life with to love Jesus. I didn't know really what he meant. I believed in God, but mm-hmm. I was like, what? Well, thankfully, 22 years of marriage later, it was the best decision I ever made. And, you know, I really think, 
you know, even though I struggled with how I felt about my body, you know, I met him, I was 18 years old. So still deep in that struggle. I mean, I started restricting food at 17, you know, senior of high school. This man has been that example, you know, just a God fearing, God loving man who's loved me through all seasons Mm -hmm. of life. You know, um, he's really just been such a great example but I had to do a lot of work. I had to do a lot of work because, you know, that 17 year old who thought something was wrong with her body went into her twenties. And even though I did come to know the Lord and really, you know, shifted my entire identity, I was a mess in my, my mind. Like my mind was a mess because, you know, I really didn't see that my body was already beautiful and perfect. Mm. Like I couldn't see that, you know, my soul, like who I was like, Jesus loves me right as I am. Yet I couldn't translate that into how I was walking it out on earth. So mm-hmm. those 20s turned into 30s. I had many babies <laughs> all at once. Our kids are like only two years apart, really. I mean, the first two are only 19 months apart. And you know, your body goes through a lot mm-hmm. in that season, you know, and I already felt like I was punishing it. And that first baby came along, um, I was 24, 25. And for the first time in my life, I allowed myself to eat without restriction. Mm. And even to this day, like that still gets me of that. That was the only time I ever gave myself prior to the season I'm in now, like freedom, Mm -hmm. like I'm growing this human. (laughs) And so I'm just going to allow myself to nourish her and nourish me. Um, And I did. And of course, as soon as that season, you know, I had this beautiful child and, and all of the, you know, overwhelmingness, loving overwhelmingness that comes with Mm -hmm. having that first baby, I felt such immense guilt you know, and again, this performance, like I need to be doing more. I should be doing more. Like I'm not just okay in this season. And really a lot of that parenting stuff that comes in our minds, like we're not doing enough. We're not the mom. We should be like all those lies of the enemy. Like that's what it is. Mm. We're so combined with the lies about who I am, like Mm. my body, how it looks, you know, how, what it can do. Like I wasn't sitting in awe of the fact that I was blessed with the ability to get pregnant, to have this baby, that Mm -hmm. she was healthy. Like I hold such appreciation for that now, but I missed it. Mm -hmm. I missed the mark on the second one, on the third one, on the fourth one. I really, really struggled all through my twenties into my thirties with how I felt about my body. And at the time, you know, when your kids are young, I really do think we hold this belief like they don't see it or hear it or absorb anything, right? That we're mm-hmm. that we're saying about food, that we're saying about our body. And yet it started to become very, very clear to me that they were picking it up. And I would say more the older two. My oldest right now, she just turned 18. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, I've been out of that little kid season for a while, but for her and my second born, I know they were picking stuff up, especially my oldest. She was the one I asked her to take progress picks for me. My kids are homeschooled. So they also get a lot of time and a lot of absorption time with me. Hmm. And so she was doing all of that. And actually it was her. And I still, she knows, I give her all the credit in the world. One day she looked at me. And this was, I mean, this is many years ago now, at least eight. Um, So she was 10 years old, comes over, she goes, mom, it seems odd to me that you take a nap every single day. 
And I took a step back. So what happened for me, my dieting turned into disordered eating. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if your audience is familiar with orthorexia, but it's something I, I really do identify with because I was so focused on health. I was so focused on my weight. I was literally tracking everything that went in my mouth, like water, every mm -hmm. morsel of food. I was tracking my two to three hour a day workouts. I was tracking my steps, my sleep. I mean, everything I was weighing myself multiple times a day. And honestly, in my mind, I thought I'm doing what's best for my health. Look it. I'm, I'm so healthy. And then this sweet 10 year old girl who loves her mom so much. I feel like God sent this, you know, sometimes we need to be knocked over the head. And sometimes it's like a sweet, gentle nudge, like, mm -hmm. Hey, and I believe he sent her to just give me that moment of acknowledgement. Like what's, what's happened? Like I took this inventory. I had a mental breakdown, not going to lie. It was a rough place to be. The, the reality is I believed all the lies. I believed all the lies about my body I believed all the lies about what it was supposed to look like, you know, what I was supposed to be doing, what health is. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I really had a hard time with my identity in Christ was strong, yet I wasn't translating that into how I felt about my own body. Mm. I, I hope that's making sense because that's really where the struggle became, you know, um, so, so apparent for me that I needed to make a change. So <laughs> that's really what happened where I ended up picking up intuitive eating, which I had read before, but I read it with such a skewed lens. So this was the tool. This is the tool that really kind of pulled me out of that place where I went, wait a minute, everything I'm doing, the reason I'm such a mess is it, it doesn't work. Mm it's causing this negative relationship. And again, these aha moments of my children are picking this up. Mm -hmm. My daughters are seeing this. It's becoming part of their vocabulary. And I want them to see themselves the way that I see them perfect and whole as they are, you know, any imperfections, right? I'm sure we could sit here and talk about parenting, right? It's a whole other thing. You know, we're human and we're flawed, but we're not a problem, right? We're not wrong. Yeah. God made me perfect in every single season of life. It's still that perfection is there perfect with him. Let me be clear, mm -hmm. perfect through him and the way he sees me. Um, I had a lot of work to do to undo a lot of those messages in my own mind that I wasn't seeing myself the way he sees me. And I was spreading that message right mm -hmm. onto my children. So everything changed. Um, so again, marking that kind of eight years ago, it wasn't like, ta-da, everything in our house was different. Um, it, it really was a, a slow process of undoing mm -hmm. and recreation, right? Like really some things had to be undone and let go of, and other things needed to be added in and completely changed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I grew up with the Clear Your Plate Club. I'm sure most mm -hmm. of your listeners probably can relate to that. I mean, heard about starving children and, you know, felt the weight of all of that. And it was something that just naturally seemed to come into my home mm -hmm. and letting that go, I thought would be an easy task. And it took some work to even yeah. let something that now looks so simple um, of allowing my children to be the intuitive eaters that they are to trust their own body. Mm. Like it took some time and, and some work. That was a really long version of, of my story. And hopefully that, you know, is relatable <laughs> to your listeners out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what I'm hearing too, is 
that what you were learning, you were passing on whether or not you intentionally did or not. Um, I've heard some moms say like, you know, they, what is caught is more like received and rather what is taught that kind of thing of just like how we live, our kids pick it up, you know, it becomes a part of their intuition or their inner voice, whether we are aware of it or not. Um, and so it sounds like the Lord was, was transforming you and in the process, transforming them. And then the way that you intentionally parented too. So, um, and a few things that I know that some many parents really struggle with is like, well, what, what I also hear is hope too of, Hey, you didn't maybe start this process until your oldest was eight. And right now we have moms who are just like really struggling in the toddler phase of like, I can't get my kids to eat these healthy things. Um, or like I'm eating their leftovers and then I'm feeling guilt and shame over their meal times and this stressful and, um, they're asking for desserts and should I feed it with them? Like an intuitive eating does. I don't trust that, you know, just lots of uh-huh. conflict. And like you said, um, you know, part of that is just like, Oh, all of the rules are so overwhelming. Um, yeah. and we can, you know, kids can pick that up too when we are overwhelmed and we are stressed and associate that with meals as well and our bodies as well. Um, so what are some of the, I know you, you talked about some of those lies of like, I don't feel like I, you didn't feel like you were doing enough and I was wrapped up in who you were. Um, and the cost of that was that you missed God's abundance and his gifts during that time. And so I can feel that for so many moms of like, I don't I feel like this is just so emotional. Um, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to miss, you know, like these days go by so fast and like the older moms always say like, they're going to be grown in the blink of an eye. And so as moms, we don't want to miss a day and we don't want to waste a day. And how can we, um, you know, like love our kids while we are struggling ourselves. So what are some of like the biggest lies for other moms to look out for? Maybe some that you've experienced and you've already kind of talked about these. Do you want to share any of those? Like, Hey, really look out for this and, and see how it's affecting you and affecting your kids um, so that we can get aligned with what God says um, um, of who we are and who our kids are. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say, because I have four children, I had the toddlers through this whole thing too, right? Mm -hmm. Like my youngest, um, you know, (laughs) who is my most, um, I'd say particular, I don't, we don't like calling picky eaters. I even think Mm -hmm. labels, like, can we just, can we talk about that for just a moment that (laughs) our words have power, They have power to lift up and they have power to just crush. We know that we know the power in the tongue. We're given that as a gift, even to write, to to use for his glory. And yet oftentimes, you know, because we might not even acknowledge how much those labels have done damage to us and they seem Mm -hmm. so trivial, but we Mm -hmm. have, and what you're talking about is we internalize those messages as children. Mm-hmm. And so if you've internalized those messages, you, you really don't question them because they become part of your own thought process because they were yeah. internalized and then we pass those on. Yep. So I think for me with having that range of children, um, you know, from having that, you know, 10 year old, eight year olds, but also the itty bitties and that last one being still to this day, you know, she's just very, Um, concise on what she likes to eat. There's not a lot that she wants to branch out to right now still. And, Mm -hmm. and, and 
of course that's okay now. Um, and really having to make that, that shift and change back then when she was little, because what do we, what we worry, are they getting enough food? Are they having enough nutrition, you know, nutritional value in what they're eating? And I had that sweet child. I'm pretty sure we went a year and all she ate was hot dogs when it came to like protein and letting so that when you go, say like, that's okay now. <laughs> Is that because you have perspective? Like she's fine. She's thriving. You know, even before all of this, I went through, I I had made a decision early on in parenting that I wanted to do things differently. My husband and I um, grew up in kind of similar homes and we really decided we were going to make some changes early on. So one of the changes before all of this work was even done is I, I, I wanted to really do my best to speak uplifting. Hmm. And not speak with judgment. I Mm. am so imperfect, but this is something I've always wanted to kind of have. And I, my second born. So of course I'm in the midst of still dieting and disordered eating. She spent a year eating chicken nuggets. I'm pretty sure. And she dipped her broccoli. She would eat it in ketchup and Mm -hmm. I had to let it go. I had a, a, a nagging experience from my childhood, a constant like voice over me, I felt. Mm. And (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to be that mom, you Mm. know, because those, even those messages, just the constant, you know, reminders and shoulds and shouldn'ts. And even though I was really such a mess for myself when it came to my relationship with food, I had decided early on, if a girl wants to dip her broccoli and ketchup. And even I can't watch it because it made me like nauseous and she'll laugh at it to this day. Like we have talked about it. Um, you know, she knows I share that story all the time. She ate the broccoli. I'm like, what do I care? And mm. actually these are conversations I've had with my own mother, you know, mm. now is showing her, I mean, think about the modeling that gets to happen on both sides of this story. I've actually been able to show her like, it's, it's not a salvation issue. That's something I've said since early on. And that's something I've actually, you know, gifted my kids with that. Like, let's check in. Is this a salvation yeah. issue? Is this something that's really blocking you from your relationship with the Lord? And let me tell you, dipping your broccoli and ketchup or eating only hot dogs for a source of protein is absolutely not. So I had that kind of just an overarching parenting. But then when it did come to the shift, I mean, I had already made a mess of things. Can I'm just being honest, like I already had made a mess of their relationship with food, and they had witnessed their mother not eating the birthday cake. I don't really Mm -hmm. like cake. I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) But when your kids want to celebrate with you, I was like, I can have some cake, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd make the cake. I'd do all the things and not allow myself to have it. There was a, a couple of years I made them dinner. We'd sit down together, but I wouldn't eat the food they were eating. Mm. Like acknowledging that has an impact. So one small shift can simply be, maybe you're just eating what they're eating mm-hmm. and enjoying the meal experience with them and showing that even just the meal experience, you know, sitting down and, you know, we go through different seasons of how often when they're little, I feel like you could sit down and have dinner every night not when they work jobs. And then one of them's off in college. I mean, everything looks a little different now, mm. but when you do sit down, when you're home together and showing them that the meal experience, the whole thing can be enjoyable. Yeah, It might just be one small step. You feel like you're taking that there's laughter, there's conversation, um, that you're eating the same foods that can actually have a huge impact. My children were very young when that shift happened. Even 10 is young. Now that, Mm. you know, my child's 18, you know, it feels like 10 feels like forever ago. It had an impact. They noticed. And that's again, again, 
I, I've said it, I want to say it again, because we've internalized messages, they internalize them. And sometimes what I hear, especially from the clients I work with, they don't even realize how much they internalize those messages until they've hit adulthood. Because mm-hmm. they become part of the track in your head. They become just like, that must be my thought, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, the enemy's so good at disguising what he says, right? Right? <laughs> like, he's so good that you're like, is that me? And then when you start questioning it, you're like, well, that's not my voice. I That's not true. That's not what I believe. This isn't uplifting. This isn't holy. Like, you can start discerning that. Mm-hmm. But getting to the point of even questioning it, I usually feel like that that's the part where we get stuck on our own, you know, because our brains, God created our brains to be the most like amazing things. I think like, I'm always fascinated, always love the brain. And the way he created our bodies is ultimately it wants to protect yourself, right? Like your brain mm-hmm. and your body. The reason God put these things in place, uh, alarm systems for your body when you've restricted for so long to go, um, you need to eat. And then you feel bad because you feel like you're overeating, you're binging. But God said, I'm going to place this in your body so you don't starve. Mm-hmm. He also put this in our brain, right? These These signals and alarms for us, like something's not right here. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then you try to go there. And what does your brain want to do? It wants to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel like the Lord loves us so much. He wants to protect our, even our trail of thoughts to not go to a deep, dark place. So sometimes going there on your own is really, really hard to do. And I say that because I didn't do it by myself. I say yeah. that because in the process of going through this transition for me, I actually had a lot of help. I had God's word. Yay. <laughs> First and foremost, I had my prayer life. And sometimes that really was like, help. Just, I don't, I'm really struggling. Like, I I don't know what to do. Like, I want to enjoy the cookies with them. First day of school, we always make cookies. That first round was hard. Mm. It was really hard. I was sneaking cookies. I was eating the cookies when the kids weren't looking. And I really was like, okay, forgiveness, move on. This is going to be okay. And just having that peace. Like we talked about that early on that, you know, asking for peace. I just need peace about this. And I wanted my kids though, to see me eating the cookies with them. Mm. even if I, I was still struggling, right? I think we often live in this world where we where we think so black and white, right? Mm-hmm. It's either, you know, I'm totally, you know, healed from this or I'm struggling. Well, you can actually be in both places where you're healing mm-hmm. while you're struggling, right? Like you can really be in both those places. So I distinctly can remember that first back to school where I was sneaking cookies, eating cookies, having cookies after they went to bed, but I, they saw me eat cookies with them probably mm. for the first time in years. And I'm talking like real cookies, sugar, flour, chocolate, like all the things, none of these, you know, try to substitute every bloody ingredient until it doesn't even taste like a cookie anymore. And it was beautiful because again, they got to see that the meal experience, snack experience, however you put that is a joyful one. Mm-hmm. It can be done together. And My children have an advantage of, you know, I think an advantage of watching me walk through the healing. I'm, I'm a very open person. I feel like we can share with our children, depending on the season that we're in. And, um, I have a lot of conversations now, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. because it's been ongoing. Um, they've watched me walk through this journey from, you know, not eating the food 
to enjoying the food with them, to Mm -hmm. teaching them how to make it, to letting it just be something that now is the norm. But we have the conversations. Mm -hmm. We have conversations about emotional eating. We have conversations about body image. We have conversations about what our body is telling us. And I think even if you are looking for the one thing and maybe the meal experience feels too hard, is even just having the door feel a little bit more open. And if your kids are two and four, I think changing your language, just not saying, you know, the things maybe you've been saying as best you can or correcting, oh, mom, you know, that's not what I meant to say here. What I really wanted to say is Mm -hmm. and doing that in the moment. But as they're older is having those conversations like, well, how do you know you're hungry? What does your body tell you? Mine starts grumbling and, you know, making all these funny noises and it, just having, again, this open conversation to where now my 18-year-old, when she went to college and started sharing about all of her friends and body image and the freshman 15, I really thought we were done with that in the 90s. I guess we're not. Like everyone still talks about it. It makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had actually had a conversation before she went and she's like, oh, mom, it is such a real thing. And everyone's talking about that to the point where several of her friends were like, how are you Okay. Like, Mm. you know, she's like, she's just was blown away because it's how, you know, it's been in our home that it's not that she's immune, right? We're not immune to the things of the world. It'd be great sometimes, I think, if we could live under a rock, but that's not what we're called to do. We're going to live in the world, (laughs) but that she's not overcome by the messages. She has those tools, you know, where, yep, everyone, you know, after the first couple of weeks of college started talking about their weight and, oh, the food and all this. And she just kind of was observing and they, and they noticed that she wasn't struggling. And she's like, I, I just don't, Mm -hmm. I hear the things. And sometimes she's like, "Mm, I notice things or my body feels, eh, you know, I'm not feeling great today about it, but then she moves on. Um, You know, my kids have been, that's just a huge testament to her friends too, like, oh, oh yeah. there is another way. I yes. don't have to do this. Like when, when I think about alignment too, it's like, hey, you don't have to flow out in the unknown. Like there, you can come back. There is a central firm space. Um, and as you've been talking to, I've been thinking about like what marks, um, what marks us and our family and the way that we eat together from the ways that, you know, when you're talking to, it's like, oh, I would definitely um, lean on the rules, but those rules are like leaning on a piece of cardboard, you know, um, they right. let me down every time. So, <laughs> but leaning on the spirit and the gospel is going to be as firm as a rock. And so Romans 14, 17 of for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Like we can do it together, but it's not even about that, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So righteousness, peace, and joy is that marking our, you know, relationship with food and our body and our family. Um, if not, then yeah, what, how can we look at that? What is the way that we've been going and how is that not helpful <laughs> for us? Yeah. I mean, and I think joy like begets more joy. It really does. And again, I believe you can live um, in that place of healing and you might still find that, you know, have struggles and yet be in joy and be in peace. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they are like the best cousins, right? Joy and peace, they go together. Um, and I, I really believe if you could even shift your thoughts to acknowledge 
both can coexist. Yeah. I can have days where it feels a little bit more of a struggle and still find joy and still seek peace. Mm-hmm. You know, something I, I like to be the light period. Like that's something we also hold as a value in our home is being the light. You don't need to, I don't need to sit down and have a conversation and tell my children all about food and, and, you know, disordered eating and, and have all of these like formal conversations, Mm -hmm. but I can be the example. I can be the light. And that's something we've again, wanted to share with our children. Um, and something I'm watching my daughter, you know, do in the real world, both of my oldest ones who are out there, you know, being able to be the light and, and you can do this when it comes to your relationship with food and body as well mm-hmm. is I, you know, today, how can I just hold that place? Even if it's just during dinner, you know, I think we want to have like these huge things that we do, but even one meal a day that I can really just be the light, be the example, bring the joy, bring the peace. And again, it could just be adding something else in enjoying the food or even I'm going to put something out there, observing your children and the way that they eat. Mm-hmm. My children have always been the best examples. I figured, you know, if I had listened to them a long time ago mm-hmm. and just took in, I probably could have learned even more then, you know, they are the best intuitive eaters before I ever messed with anything. They really, ne- they never struggled. They didn't question their hunger. They never questioned if they liked something or not, if they'd had enough. I always say, when they were toddlers, it was amazing because they would eat. And my first two, you know, my, my, my oldest was very, I'd say traditional three meals, a couple of snacks, she'd have her food, but when she was done, she was done and she was so satisfied and she had energy. I would say so much energy. She could trash that house, man. She could get up from that table at lunch and it would just be done. You know, I'm like, it used to be clean. I'm always a sign of a happy home. I feel like is when it's just a complete mess. Kids are happy, but they would have this energy. Then I had this second born who taught me yet again. Um, she was the broccoli ketchup dipper. I love mm-hmm. her. Um, she'd never do it to this day, but she was my grazer. And I struggled for a while at the beginning because Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute, we have three meals, two snacks, you know, very, if you will, traditional model of eating, but her body said that doesn't work for me. And to this day, I'd say that's still a little bit more where she leans is on the grazer. She Mm -hmm. doesn't want these big meals. Um, She kind of spreads that out throughout the day and it, it actually helps her feel her best. And again, Mm -hmm. she was my climber. I assure you, she had plenty of energy. Girl could just keep going all day long. And again, I take that lesson even now. I want to trust my own body in the way my children trust theirs. Hmm. And getting back to that place, I think, what if you watch them? So one one thing I, I kind of give to my mamas that I work with is spend one week in observation mode. Do your best that you can not to say anything, right? Um, Not to interject. Have you had enough? Do you really need more? Any of those words maybe you've been struggling with and just watch. Maybe if you have like a little journal, I'm not a big journaler, but this might be a really good opportunity to write some things down. Even if you use your phone, I always say, let's use our phones for good. Put it in the notes app and just like, what do you notice about them when you don't interject, when you Mm -hmm. don't do anything, but you're just observing and just spend some time with it. I think it's actually one of the most enlightening. Usually what happens I hear from my clients is my kids were like, um, what's happening? Like, am, don't, they keep asking for permission. They're checking in with you because they may have lost some of that 
self-trust. And it's such a good opportunity for you to then gift it back to them. Mm. Like, nah, you know, bud, you know, sweetie, like, you know, your body best. If you're hungry, I always had carrots and cheese sticks in the house. It was just something I always did. And they, if they were hungry, they went and grabbed it. No Mm -hmm. questions asked. Um, And so this is something I think a great exercise, especially if you're feeling like, I know I've passed this on. I know my own issues with food, with my body, how I feel as is is starting to seep in. I know they've probably absorbed something, right? Mm -hmm. So what can I do? I think this is a great exercise. And especially if your kids are young enough where you do sit down together. And if you don't, it's an opportunity. I think meals together are so highly valuable. Breaking bread with anyone really enhances a relationship where we see that time and time again in the mm-hmm. word, right? We do see that all the time that I think if you don't do it, it's a great opportunity to say this week, at least, you know, a few times a week, we're going to sit down together at the table and enjoy your food, but also observe, just notice what happens. You don't interject. I'm going to challenge the mamas out there maybe <laughs> because I did this and it was a challenge for me at first. So I'm going to be very upfront. Like I, Ooh, I, I really had to just stop myself, but let them serve themselves. Mm-hmm. that is going to stretch you a little bit. So for those who feel comfortable, I started observing what would happen when they serve themselves. And, and actually it's a, a teaching moment. Like, well, you can, you can always come back for more. Mm-hmm. You can always come back for more. Um, you know, we grow up so often internalizing those messages about waste, you know, and we like to be good stewards with our money and what we've, what we've been given as well. And I think, again, this is great biblical lesson without judgment, but like, you can always come back for more, but letting them scoop their own food. I was talking to someone who, um, a dear friend of mine, she was raised in Haiti. And she thought when she moved to United States and she was raising her own children this way, she goes, this is how I grew up. Like it was so odd to her that, you know, families here didn't let the children get their own food even at a young age. Mm. And it just struck me as like, well, it's, you know, sometimes we get in these places where it's what we've always done. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, well, this is, I always think, what do I want to pass on to the next generation? Well, it's not food judgment. It's mm-hmm. not body image issues. It's not feeling like something's wrong with your body when you feel hungrier one day than the next. What's really cool is hearing my youngest, she's um, going to be 12 and um, hearing her because for her, she doesn't remember me and my disordered eating and my dieting. All she knows is this mom, which is awesome, even though she lived through the toddler years of me going through this really hard time. And she is so cool to watch her because literally some days she'll be like, can't get enough food. She's like, you know what? I'm probably growing. <laughs> She's like, yep. like it's just, and then she'll go through several days like that. And so she, she gets really excited. She wants to be taller than mom. It's not hard to do. I'm barely five, two on a good day. So she really wants to be taller than <laughs> <Same> her mom. <laughs> and so she gets really excited. And then all of a sudden what happens the next week? I don't say anything. I just, again, I'm usually just always in observation mode. It's just how I roll now. And it'll happen about a week or so. She's barely hungry. Now that doesn't always happen exactly like that, but you notice that shift. And for mm-hmm. her to now feel like this is completely normal. That is a gift to give to our children that your body's hunger, it's fullness needs, what you even like. Again, I have a child who does not, I mean, she'll eat broccoli. I don't even think she eats ketchup at all on anything anymore. Maybe French fries, but that's it. The one who dipped, she doesn't Mm. even like ketchup. She probably used up all her ketchup back in the day. She was (laughs) dipping plain chicken breast in it too, y'all. Like it was something else to really experience um, without judgment, but mere observation. Um, but what if your kids serve themselves? Like what if you let go of that 
and just observed what happens in that. I think the lessons we take from those moments are part of your healing for yourself and the gift you end up giving your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's recap. So when we feel out of alignment ourselves with like, what is the right thing to do? Am I messing up my children? Um, part of that is noticing what uh, noticing and asking that question of what do I want to pass on to the next generation? What do I not want to pass on? What are the things that really bothered me and that I want to take this order of the spirit and break that chain? <laughs> um, oh gosh, yes. And so some of the like really practical things that you gave were to start with just observing, observing your kids, how they eat, maybe for a week, reserve your judgment and interjections, um, just bite your tongue and use your eyes Um, (laughs) and enjoy the meal together, like family style, I'm assuming, and let your kids serve themselves and not, and also again, not to say, Hey, shouldn't you grab some of those veggies over there or, or whatnot? Um, And is that, how would you wrap that up? Or is there anything else that you would like to add or leave the listener with? Yeah, something as you're even saying that, that I'm just getting this visual again of how, how amazing God is when he created our bodies Mm -hmm. and something that we're not taught very well is that our bodies are born intuitive, meaning Mm -hmm. not just like how much to eat, meaning there's certain nutrients, right? Micronutrients, macronutrients, our body really does need. And the way that the Lord created our body was to draw us to those things we most need. Mm-hmm. And if you find yourself like, again, you might be just doing it in the observation part of your kiddos, you know, only eating the protein, they're really not going for the veggies. That one meal might make you like really tense up and be worried, but then you might notice they get, they grab for something else the next day. Our bodies were created to be drawn to what it needs most. And if your Mm -hmm. kiddo's growing, which um, pretty much from the time they're born, (laughs) that's what's happening. Their body might be like, listen, that protein's better. Some of them might be drawn to certain flavors and textures, just Mm -hmm. like you are, Mm -hmm. right? The Lord said, I'm I'm going to create your body in a way that it already knows what to do. We're the Mm -hmm. ones who mess with it, right? We do. (laughs) We do because we believe all the lies whether you want to say the lies of the enemy, the lies of diet culture, I think they're one and the same, right? That you're not enough as you are, right? As you are, that um, your body is going to find what it needs. Because even when my clients do this observation, we never look at a day. Mm -hmm. We kind of take that bird's eye view. And that's something you can do for your kids too, is just keep that in mind. Cause you might go, all right, you know, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to do the observation and night one, you're losing your mind already. (laughs) But I promise you the way the Lord created their body and your body is it really does know what it needs. Mm -hmm. So just take that time, three days, four, five, if you can spread that out and just notice how they might gravitate towards those different things. And I, again, I always just keep offering. It's always there. You never know when they'll try something new or that their body will actually desire that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we haven't talked about it and I, I know it's a conversation really to dive into another time is about the restriction part. And, you know, I know cause mama's usually like, well, if I offer them anything, They want the sugar, they want the chocolate, they want the cookies, they want all the pantry stuff, right? All these things that we're so concerned about. And again, really it's, we're told, no, we do have that inner rebel in us. 
right? We have that flashcard. It's going to be like, oh yeah, well, I want that. And again, God created our brains that we're going to think about those things. We're going to want that. So all of a sudden, when you make peace with food and there's no more rules, we've talked about rules several times, right? The kids can let go of the rules too. And that food doesn't have the power mm-hmm. anymore over them. So I know you might be worried and at the beginning, it feels really, really scary, but even just trusting that process and allowing it to have some space in your world can be just, just the thing you need to change all the things for your entire family. Yeah. Yes. And amen. Yeah. Being able to just open up your hands. <laughs> A little bit of surrender, which is hard, hard for us mm-hmm. to do because it's a transfer of trust. And so instead of trusting the external programs and what we've depended on, um, we find that when we find those holes in the plots there, we have to transfer trust into what the Lord says, the body he's given us, our kids' bodies who are different than us. <laughs> and so, um, but it's also, like you said, very enlightening and expansive and like, wow, we're able to really receive and celebrate um, all that God has created us to be and our family to be too, which is so wonderful um, that it's not in our hands. <laughs> we just get to experience the joy of that. So Jennifer, tell us how um, others can connect with you. And is there any, are there any resources that you would like to share? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to be able to connect with everyone. I do have a podcast myself. I love talking to mamas. I am the intuitive eating mama. So you can look for that podcast anywhere you're already listening to podcasts. Um, and I also have a website. You can head to theintuitiveeatingmama.com. I have lots of free resources on there. Um, you can find the podcast. Um, I also know that a lot of women I work with struggle with just that overwhelm at nighttime, you know, and Mm. feeling really guilty for even eating at night. So you'll find my free resource on there. I even included audios that are part of a course that I've created on intuitive eating. Um, So definitely come hang out with me there. And then if you are on social media, um, I always hang out on Instagram. I just am an Instagram girl and it's uh, Jennifer underscore intuitive life. Mm. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. I'm just so grateful that we got to have this conversation um, and that we can continue having these conversations in our homes and our families um, with the Lord. So can you do the honor of praying over our listeners before we go? I, I would absolutely love to do that. Thank you for thank asking. You. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you give us each day just to be the moms, to be those who have influence over this next generation. And Lord, right now, if there's anyone listening who's feeling like they need to break those generational curses, that you would just give them the wisdom and the encouragement to do so. Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit just to cover them, even in the peace that they're asking for right now as they are walking this journey. I ask you, Lord, whoever this podcast is reaching, that you would just bless them, Lord, bless their families, bless their minds, and just protect them and keep them safe as they're on this journey. I ask you, Lord, for all of this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, friends, until next time, may you rest in his grace and follow the joy. Hey, thanks so much for listening. A very special thank you to all our podcast guests, along with Dwayne Goldbeck for podcast editing and Maddox Schuler for writing and recording our podcast music. 